Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and the creators of the F3 formula. In today's episode, we're going to answer the question, how can I stay disciplined with food? So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Trinity Podcast. What's your favorite restaurant you've ever eaten at? Favorite favorite restaurant I've ever eaten at was um, there's actually a number I think there's a few. Number one, well, not, these aren't in order of the best, <laughs> but there's one of them was I was in Singapore at a all you can eat buffet at the Pan Pacific Hotel, and it was all you can eat: lobster, steak, ribs, Chinese food, Italian food, everything, all in as much as you possibly wanted. I ate so much food that I couldn't walk home and I had to lie on the bench in the subway and then got told off by the police for lying on the floor. Where was that? That's that was on your, your year round eight? Singapore. Year, summer round and I was travelling around Southeast Asia. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. And then a few in, a couple in Paris. I don't know what they're called. One of them's called Benoit. One of them was called um, something de Eugene. You've got better memory than me. Eugene's place or something. I don't remember, but they were good. Good, uh, delicious French. I thought food. you said the one in Newbury was the best. And the one in Newbury was excellent. At hotel. But yeah, that was, I don't know what that was. It's called the Vineyard, actually. If you ever want to go, I think it's called the Vineyard. Excellent. Very expensive. I got a, I got a deal. You know, one of those uh, Groupon secret hotel deal yeah. things. Got one of them. So I got a good deal on it, and it was uh, excellent. Tell you what was good. I'm trying oh, to think of my favourites. That one on the retreat. Again, do you remember what it was called? The restaurant up the hill, um, in our, ironically, Trinity Retreat. I don't remember it. I, all I remember was we had to drive up a rally track together, yeah, yeah. which was one of the most fun experiences of all time. Driving <laughs> I'm not a sure. Track I'm not sure it. the people in my the car. People agree. carrier, full of our clients who were, uh, I don't know. I think I think they were happy, or they were just being polite. I'm not sure. I had like lots of screaming noises. <laughs> especially when we're trying to get around the corner and I was just wheel spinning and the car wasn't going anywhere and there was a big cliff drop behind I think your car was better at getting around the corner yeah. I'm trying to think what, was what other restaurants I've eaten at that were really good Roker's good in London that's like didn't, a Japanese one didn't you go to one where they cook you food in front of you or something probably you told me about that one once I think Roker does that there's a chef in the yeah. middle of the table not in the middle of the table but the, the Japanese one they like have a, a bit that like but basically, the kitchen is is the center, and then you sit around the kitchen, which is cool. I like yeah. I think Japanese chefs the coolest because <laughs> they're like so. Um, <laughs> I don't know they're so focused. They're so precise and quiet. Oh, they, yeah! Just from, when I went to Japan as well, there's some of the sushi I ate there that that's got to be up there on my best meals I've ever eaten. And those um, big crispy deep fried prawn things. Delicious. Well, they do them in the sushi market. They do them in. Um, there's like a specific restaurant. Is it Tapan Tapanyaki or something? I don't know. I've forgotten. It sounds good though. Something like Japanese. That, but it was delicious. But when we're not going to these restaurants, I definitely spend a lot of time being quite disciplined mm. with food myself. I know you do it's as well. Boring, I guess. <laughs> so what would you say are your Rob Burkhead's top tips? <laughs> Burkhead's top for how tips. How do you stay disciplined with food? Well, as I sip on my green tea, I think it's green tea. It smells good. This is actually a good one. I'm going to talk about drink before we talk about food because drink's a big problem, actually. All right, cool. Like, I don't know what you what you find. So Ben and I are coaching people, for those of you listening, one-to-one at the moment. People vary. So one of my two people I'm coaching one-to-one um, struggles more with drink. One struggles more with food. Like, I don't know what... You've only got one at the moment. Your second one's just signed up. So what's your situation? with Sarah her biggest struggle at the minute is actually just she's um, she's just been she's been ill for a long period of time just like a fluey coldy no energy um, chest problems while exercising kind of thing for the longest time so I think food wise she's actually been she's actually been doing pretty good but it tends to be I think some people really have a problem where they struggle to stay disciplined with food other people I know we have clients who are just, they're just so good at staying disciplined with food, probably better than than you. So some people have this ability to just stay just really disciplined with food and some people just 
do not have any ability to stay disciplined with food. But 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 those do you think those clients tend to not have been disciplined at the start? There's a good point that we were talking so about what before. Is it so that... the ones that have done this, I will give you. A, I'll give you a couple of examples. You might have some more to add. Caroline, Georgiana, Joy. There's been quite a few who had this moment, and I don't know when it was. At some point through working with us, that was just like, I'm not going back, and I'm not. Basically, you have to see i think anyway you have to see the old you as the old you and you don't do that anymore and the new you does this and this is what those like caroline's lost four stone georgiana i don't know in terms of weight but she looks vastly different looks like a fitness model like those people have at some point just gone like i'm gonna act in spite of my feelings i'm not gonna have this food even though i want the food and they make this decision um that's what i've seen in those people what else have you seen I kind of agree. I think you get to a point where you just decide, um, in, like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do this anymore. You just decide, is enough is enough. I'm gonna stop making excuses and ruining my own progress and making myself unhappy. Stop fucking around and just, just do it. I'm just gonna like, just do it. I'm just gonna stop complaining. Stop thinking about feeling good all the time. Stop thinking about how how much delicious food I need to put into my mouth all the time. Stop always trying to feel good and just be like, you know, I'm just not going to eat this stuff. That's it. You just, at some level, you've just got to decide, you've just got to have enough willpower to decide I'm going to do this and then make it a permanent I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know if it's a willpower thing, in my opinion. Like, because at the beginning, you don't have the willpower. Is. I think, I think at the beginning, if you've got bad habits, you it probably It feels don't. very wrong though at the beginning. What'd you, know you say? What I mean. Like it feels difficult at first. I think when you make a big change like this, you suddenly, you're very unhealthy, for example. You decide you're gonna be healthy. At first, it's just accepting that it's gonna be difficult and you're gonna feel terrible yeah. for a while. And it's gonna take- And if you're not willing to go through that period where you feel terrible, you're never ever gonna to get to the point where eating healthy becomes easy. Yeah, and it's gonna take, at the beginning, it takes a lot of willpower, but the determination comes from like deciding this is it. I think a lot of people, for fear of failure, don't want to make that commitment. That's my my take on it. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the fringes, and I think I think you've got to start and start seeing yourself succeeding for a little bit, and then you're like, this is it. I'm not fucking this up again. And for, for, I don't know why. I honestly still don't know psychologically why that happens. We try and set people up to have that moment, but that's why we do things like unstoppable. I guess is to get people out of their comfort zone, break down break down the barriers and then make them realize this has got to change. But some people it doesn't take that, they can do it on their own or have that moment. Like reading Angela Cox's book, she has that moment in the book where she, she just decided this was the, I'm not doing this anymore. I guess it takes a couple of things though, because Angela also said that she realized she didn't have to do all the dieting bullshit. And she realized, so she had the body coach come along. We've also come along for our clients and shown like, this is a sustainable way. And then they go, I'm going to, I'm not going back to the, the other way. But there's a lot of other things, aren't there? I think that, that involved in this. I think there's an element of fear there as well. When you look at if somebody's thinking about like they want to eat healthy, they have this desire, or like they think it will be good for them if they eat healthy because then they'll you know be healthier, they'll live longer, they'll feel better, they'll look better, they'll have better self-esteem. All of these things that come with eating healthy foods. But they look at it and they all they can see is. I enjoy eating chocolate, I enjoy eating cakes, I like to eat pizza, I enjoy having a glass of wine. If I cut all of those things out of my life, then maybe I'll be really, I'll be really unhappy, I'll have nothing to look forward to in my life, my life will be miserable, I won't enjoy my life, I'll hate everything. Um, and so they're, they're kind of afraid that if they cut these things out, then their life won't be enjoyable anymore. Yeah. As strange as that sounds, they're kind of clinging on to this old version of themselves where the, the most exciting part of the day is getting home from work, opening a bag of chocolates, pouring out a glass of wine and sitting in front of the TV, enjoying the pleasure of putting tasty foods into your mouth. And you think if you take that away, what's left for me? What's left? All that's left for me is work, stress, maybe exercise. If, if you're the type of person who doesn't particularly enjoy exercise, um, doing chores around the house, dealing with family, all of these things that are left over may not be, may not seem as appealing as the pleasure you get from the, from the food. So it could kind of seem like you're ending all the fun in your life by doing this. But I think that point comes, the point you said where people, um, 
they suddenly that switch flips comes from when you force yourself to cut these things out for long enough that you get to a point that you realize your life is just as fun if not better when you cut these other these things that you thought were the be all and end all out of your life and you suddenly realize that you can survive and you can live and you can have a really exciting enjoyable life without eating loads of crap yeah i agree you're like oh i can do this easy my life's still good cool i don't need to eat biscuits and chocolate cake to have fun yeah yeah i can do other things i i was going to say the exact same point so you've it's good you've said the same thing (laughs) that we we um and we i think we like people overplay the fear like we um we build the, the or not the fear but like the there's like an upside and a downside to every decision like if i stop eating this stuff i'll get in shape but then if i stop eating this stuff i'll be miserable and then we focus on the risk of like what could go wrong this is just a human nature isn't it i guess it's survival we've got to we've got to focus on that because otherwise like an animal will come along and kill us back in the day we focus on the higher risk what could go i'll, I'll go out my cave and go and uh, go and like do this nice thing or go and do this thing, or I could stay in and stay safe. And this is kind of what the same decision people are making. It's like, I think anyway, I, I've got this thing that could go horribly wrong and we go, oh no, I'm going to be miserable and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to get more depressed and feel worse about myself rather than, as you said, looking at the, the upside and focusing on that and going, I'll have all of this. And you, I think people kind yeah, of know that, it's... but they believe so much that it's not going to happen that they focus on the fear. They like overshadow it and they look at they look at it as I'm giving up all of these things rather I'm than this. I'm gaining. I'm getting this. Yeah. They don't think, you know, I'm getting a better sex life, more confidence. Uh, possibly, you know, getting promoted at work because you feel amazing about yourself every day. Getting happiness, getting more connected relationships, getting a fitter body, getting extra years added to the end of your life. Getting the ability to go and do all, you know, fitness events and whatever it is you want to compete in or do. Um, you don't look at gaining that. People don't look at gaining that quality of life. They just look at losing their current yeah, losing time, perceived quality money, of life. Losing time, money, energy, fun. But the reality is there's way more to gain. Yeah, that's a good point. But the, the thing is, though, there are there probably are people who they, they do just love the taste of chocolate and cake and stuff so much. It's going to be extremely hard for them to ever give that up. It is, but if they don't, then they're never going to change. Everyone's got this to kind of a different degree, (laughs) I think. Yeah, for sure. I think the more you have it as well, the more you like it, weirdly. This is what I find with myself. Mm. Like if I've eaten some chocolate, then I want more chocolate. Or if I start, I think we both had this, haven't we? You know, if we have like a day where we eat loads of rubbish, there's two sides to it. If, if If you overdo it, I just feel disgusting, especially as we're used to eating quite healthy, I guess. Like when we watch the MMA fight, UFC fight, I think we overdid it and we're used to feeling good. Did it, uh, yeah. Did it. <laughs> we overdid it, so I was like, I don't want to do that again. But there also is like if you don't if you if you have a bit, I find that I just want more. You know, if you have like a bit of cake or a bit of then you start thinking again the next day I, think I want it depends. some more cake. I think there's a there's a limit to it. Because at the moment I'm eating like no carbs at all. Just to see how it goes, as you mm. know, Rob. Um trying to follow a ketogenic diet kind of approach. Just I've never tried it before. I'd like to see how it goes. But um, the other night I had, well, last weekend, I have like the weekend off basically. So the thing is I don't go crazy at the weekend. Like we did on the MMA night, we just had like everything <laughs> under the sun. I don't go crazy, but I had like, I shared a Domino's pizza with my girlfriend. Yeah. So I had like five, maybe six or seven slices of this pizza. I ate the six or seven slices of the pizza. I woke up the next day, I didn't crave pizza or anything like that. I was able to go back to it, but that's because kind of my new normal has become not eating the Domino's pizza. So it is just kind of, it's a treat now. And it's not like, it doesn't then kick off loads of cravings. However, if we rewind to say a couple of months ago when I would have pizza more regularly, like two times a week, and now, you know, sneaking in, you know, every day, the odd little chocolate biscuit, bit of cake, whatever it is, you go over a certain limit. When you eat enough food that's like that kind of delicious but unhealthy food, that you get to a point where one is never enough, where you have one and it's like, oh, maybe I'll just just have another one. And it's you feel that food kind of calling out to you. Yeah. You know it's there and your self-control melts away. And loads of things make it worse, don't they? Like, in my opinion, stress and boredom are the two biggest triggers of like, if you're going to eat shit, those things are there. you got to figure out what the, what the root cause of that is. 
Like, why, why, for everyone listening, why do you want to eat the shit in the first place? Like, I don't know how it is for you, Ben, but I don't, don't tend to struggle with this too much because, as you said, my normal has always been, well, not always, but mostly being pretty healthy. But what I see in a lot of people we coach is their normal, as you said, has become get bored, I have this, or get stressed, I have this, whether it's wine or whether it's food. Mm. And like there's, there's different, I don't know, what options would you give people who are bored of eat, is eating or stress eating? That's tends, it's, I don't, is there any other reason why people would eat rubbish? Oh, just, it can be anything. It's usually just negative emotions. It can be, well, it could be negative or positive emotions. Some people can be like, you know, I'm on a night out with my friends, therefore, now I yeah, need to have yeah, loads I of deserve it. and a takeaway. Or it could be, you know, I've had a bad day at work, now I need to have, uh, whatever, a piece of cake and a glass of wine. Whatever it is, if you, if you have this emotional connection to food, where you use food as a coping mechanism for your emotions, um, you've pretty much just got to change that habit. You've got to just, for me now, food is like, I eat when I'm, I eat because I'm hungry, because I need to fuel my body, because I need, I eat foods that make me feel good. That's pretty much it. I like, I also obviously, I cook, I cook tasty stuff. Moved in with my girlfriend recently. Uh, don't know if I told mm. you, Rob. She, the thing she's the most shocked about is how I can cook really well. <laughs> yeah, she said she that no last time I was I could there. Cook anything. She was, she was shocked that I could cook good meals. So every time I cook, she's like, wow, this is delicious. So it does help having some cooking skills. It does, it does help a lot. It helps that I can cook with healthy ingredients from scratch and make something that's delicious and healthy um, and I'm willing but this is the other thing a lot of people feel like you know they use the excuse I don't have time to cook I hear this one all the time I don't have time to cook healthy and the other one I can't deal with this one is it's too expensive to eat healthy which is ridiculous <laughs> they're like oh well you know it's too expensive so it's, it's cheaper for me to just go to McDonald's on the way home and then mm -hmm. die 20 years earlier that sounds I'm sure cheap. it is <laughs> or get diabetes or but cancer like, that sounds cheap Healthy eating is very easy and very quick and very cheap mm. if you make it that way. So you kind of you kind of do need a you do you need a basic level of skills. You need to know. I mean, I take this for granted, but I can go into the supermarket and I can look at all the foods on the shelves and I can see which ones are healthy, which ones are unhealthy. Um, as you know, we've done a podcast on this, haven't we? So people you. can go back and find that podcast. We've done one before, I don't yeah. know what episode it is, but scroll back. We've done one on how to shop like a healthy person. That's, that's it's basically how to read food packaging like for every time i used to go shopping with you rob when we used to live together we would both like let's say we've gone around we're going around the supermarket we're obviously buying the same foods because mm. um, <laughs> yeah we, we do everything we do everything together but we'd go to let's say the coconut milk aisle i'd pick up one brand of coconut milk rob would pick up the other brand of coconut milk i'd be like how many grams of sugar rob would be like four i'm like three okay this one's better then we'd just both pick the the one that has the best stats on it. So if you know how to, if you know what food you're looking at, first of all, that's going to help. So if we're talking about the topic of how can I be disciplined with food, first of all, you need to know what food you need to be disciplined with. Because if you have no idea what's actually healthy, and you think you're being healthy, and you think you're being disciplined, but you're eating the wrong, you're using the discipline to eat the wrong foods, then you'll put loads of effort in and you won't get any any results in the mirror. So the first thing you need to do, you need a basic knowledge of nutrition and what foods to eat and what foods not to eat easiest way to do that is probably just find someone to tell you what what foods to eat and what foods not to eat which we do with all of our even our lowest level cheapest plans but any 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 good nutrition coach or fitness coach can tell you what's healthy and what's not healthy um where was i going with this point though? <laughs> you're talking about shopping <laughs> buying good food so first of all yeah you need to know you what, basically what need a basic level of skill what food is not good for you? Then you need to know, to take away the next excuse, it's too expensive, how to be healthy without buying, you could, if you if you wanted to, you could spend a ridiculous amount of money on foods that are perceived to be healthy, but they're just a complete waste mm. of money. Like if you just, if you ate like only salad, I feel like that would be a very expensive way to get all your vegetables in for the week. Or you cook like only um, really fancy recipes, like only Joe Wicks's recipes or Jamie like, Oliver's recipes. With like pine nuts and like all that kind of fancy stuff. Eat loads of Greek yogurt. And yeah, like, all this branded stuff. Yeah. You don't need any of that. Or even, even you know, when you go to the supermarket, if you don't know about healthy food, if you don't think about just ingredients like buying like carrots and turnips. And <laughs> you don't have to eat turnips. <laughs> and, you, and you just, 
You go to that, but you go to that section where they have like pre-prepared thing of healthy vegetables, which is says like one of your five a day. Mm. It's like three pounds fifty, and it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. The vegetables are next to it, but this one's like cut up and put in a healthy packet that says like good for you or whatever on it. So you need to know how to not get ripped off and conned, and you can, as Rob, as you said, Rob, go back to our previous um, podcast. Figure out how to shop like a healthy person. That's the first thing. So you're gonna to need to go and do that. There's there's gonna be some effort involved, unfortunately. If you're not willing to, well, here's the thing in, for that. You're probably gonna you're probably gonna stay the way you here's are. Here's the thing for that with that uh, point you're making is that it's like that triangle. You know, you can draw or make a triangle for anything. Basically, it can it can be fast or it can be cheap or it can be easy or something like that. Whatever the three things are, you can't have all three of them. You can only have a two. So you can only ever have something that's gonna be cheap and it's not you can only have it be cheap and i don't know what's the other one <laughs> basically you can't have something be cheap, cheap and fast you can uh, probably cheap fast and healthy yeah 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 right? <laughs> fast and healthy is expensive so like healthy ready meals. yeah or having someone prep all your meals fast for you and fast and cheap mcdonald's yeah very exactly. very quick it. very very cheap but then uh, healthy cheap. and cheap not quick yeah is what you would think well it's got to be it's going to take more effort than going to mcdonald's to cook a meal like let's not lie to people yeah but it's not going to take that much more if you've got some skills but if you're not Mm. if you're not prepared if you've not got the money that's fine you're going to have to put in a bit more effort the ultimate point of this is like you can always come up with a bullshit excuse you can come up with excuse i deserve it you can come up with an excuse um i've had a hard day you can come up with an excuse uh, it's too difficult. You come up with the excuse, I don't know how. No, everyone's born a baby with no skills. Like we, we didn't know a thing about fitness. Um, I was writing our story about how we got into it earlier. And I remember going to the gym for the first time. I didn't know how to lift any weights. I didn't go into the weights room ever because I was too scared. I just heard all these clanging noises from downstairs. And I decided I would never go down there for like the first year of my gym membership. So I just stayed upstairs and went like the running machine. Obviously saw no results, didn't know a single thing about eating. I just like was drinking orange juice and thought that was a healthy drink. Um, eating loads of sugary yogurts and little chocolate bars. And I wasn't too interested, but his, I had no skills. And then we learned the skills. And there's, now there's loads of quicker ways to learn them. But you can't have get healthy with zero effort unless you pay someone to do everything for you. But if you're not willing to pay someone to train you constantly, to watch you constantly, uh, to cook all your meals then it is going to be a little bit of effort and it's going to cost a little bit of money, but not a crazy amount. But you can't, You at some level, everyone's just got to drop the excuses. If you want to change, if you hold on to excuses, it, nothing will change. I mean, we do, t- we do train people on how to do this, obviously. That's quite a deep topic <laughs> on how to question your yeah. thoughts because if you hold on to them, nothing will change. But that's the fundamental thing. I think everyone who makes a change goes... I'm not going to listen to my own bullshit anymore because if I listen to my own bullshit, nothing mm. happens. Then the problem with that, even if you try and overcome all these excuses one by one, for example, you you know, you figure out, you find a few healthy recipes, you buy a new cookbook, whatever it is, you try and figure out, go overcome all your excuses one by one. You will, you will replace these with more excuses because the real excuse, the real excuse deep down below, beneath all of it, is you're not prepared to commit to doing this. So if you're like fundamental belief patterns about like, you know, if I make all of these changes, my life will get worse, not better. Like I'm, I don't want to give up. I'm not prepared to give up all of this stuff. That's like the fundamental underlying belief pattern. I was listening to uh, an audio book the other day. Which one? Uh, Rob called The Way of the Wolf, mm. which is Jordan Belfort, <laughs> The Wolf of Wall Street, teaching me about his straight line, straight line selling system or something. Yeah. Anyway. Because, you know, I'm always studying, I'm studying marketing, studying the psychology of marketing and selling. Um, But one of the things about that was about how when people, if if you're asking somebody to buy something or persuading somebody to do something even, they will always, they'll always come up with, if they come up with an excuse, most of the time it's just because they don't kind of, they're not really committed to the thing. Ultimately, it's deep down. So if they say, I don't have time, the reason, they're not really saying I don't have time. They're just saying that they're not committed to doing it. So if you then tell them like, oh, well, I'll show you how to find more time for yourself with this thing, they'll just find another thing. It's too expensive. Oh, well, I've hurt my leg. 
it's too expensive, yeah. whatever. But it's the same thing with, with making excuses about why you can't stay disciplined with food. The excuses are likely, your brain is very clever, and it's likely making up these excuses to cover up the fact that deep down, you're just not prepared to make this change. So the, the ultimate thing you've got to do is just change, you've got to shift your mindset, which is difficult. Um, it is. In order to actually get to that point where you say enough is enough, I'm gonna do this now, I don't care what it takes, I'm prepared to do the work, and then actually get on with it. Until you get to that point where you really, really are prepared to commit to it and go all in on it, you're probably just gonna play this game of like trying try a little bit, start making full like full victim to an excuse why you can't do it. And you know, buy a few recipe books, get a bit motivated again, lose motivation again. So you're not gonna stay disciplined with food unless you actually fix your internal beliefs about why you why you're doing this, why it matters to you. This is like that Yoda quote, Angela Cox wrote it in her book. It was a good quote. It's like there is no try, you either do or you don't. Try is just another excuse, like I'll try and do that. Either mm. you take the action or you don't take the action, but it does it does rely on you making sure you're in the right, right mindset. And if you don't have the right mindset, get the right mindset. Again, that's what we coach on. Everyone's physically capable of doing this. Nobody has this, like nobody's, well, someone might be listening to this, Rob, and like, um, they literally get up out of bed at night, sleepwalk to the kitchen and start eating cakes because they can't, they physically can't stop themselves. But other than that person, everyone's physically capable of not lifting. I don't believe that person. That mouth. person's probably also making wine. an excuse. They probably know what they're doing. Lock the fridge. It does, are, that's a secret. fucking bullshit excuse again. Just lock the fridge. Then you can't go and do that. You're not going to unlock a lock in your sleep. Lock the fridge and then give it to you, like hide the key, give it to the other half. Like there's always a way around these excuses. I know you're trying to be nice and PC to people, but the reality is like, there are maybe a few rare health conditions, but almost every health condition we've heard people have, PCOS, hypothyroidism, endro, how do you say the other one? <laughs> I can never say it, endrochromiosis. Um, I'm gonna cock it up. But all these health conditions we've coached people with, and all these health conditions we've seen people succeed. So it's not the health condition, but again, it's just another reason people use to not succeed. You just need to slightly tweak the approach and it'll still work. Whatever you have, fibromyalgia, you can succeed. Hypothyroidism, you can succeed. It might take longer, but it doesn't mean you can't succeed. Like some people are just genetically gifted. Yeah. You're, you're you and then- Menopause. Yeah, menopause, one. you can still succeed. It might be more difficult. Probably will be more difficult because your hormones won't be uh, as, as well-tuned to see results. However, it's not impossible. And as long as you hold on to the excuses, whatever the excuses are, whatever your excuses are, you're, you're not going to succeed. So if you can't overcome, until you can overcome your excuses, you're going to continue to make your excuses and you're going to stay where you are. The crazy thing that always strikes me for so this, I think is, this is, you know, when you look up the like the recommended treatment for any of those conditions, it's always the same. It's always eat a diet yeah. of whole foods. It's always don't drink too much alcohol or don't drink alcohol. It's always like don't eat too much sugar, uh, exercise. And when you do all of that, those things aren't, aren't actually a problem. It's because you're not doing those things that often those conditions come about. So it's kind of a, it's, there's no real excuse. It's like the, the treatment is to do this anyway. The thing that will actually fix it or make it way more mild is to do this anyway. It's just another reason. I think this is, this is one of the reasons I think our Unstoppable events work so well yeah. is because we, we physically put people in a situation that's difficult and tough, and we, we force them to drop all of their excuses in a very short period of time. In the first few hours, people, they've dropped all their excuses, they've dropped all their bullshit, and they're like, okay, okay, I'm in the position now, I'm ready to make a change, I'm ready yeah. to, to figure out what I actually, what I actually wanna do. Because when you're exhausted, when you've pushed yourself past your limits, you've, you've, there's nothing left, there's no excuses left. Yeah, I wrote this again, I was writing our, our uh, origin story earlier, and it was like, realize that's one of the key things that we can do in person which is harder online is to get past the bullshit it's just to break break through all that stuff and you see it don't you the thing i was writing is you literally see it on people's face you're like you i can it, see yeah. now yeah. whoever it is patricia rachel whoever it was you see the people when it happens for them and they realize shit i can get achieve anything i want i've just been holding on to all of this baggage for so long and i've not i've not even realized So the two things that people can do, getting back to the food thing is remove stress, deal with stress better. 
they're basically the, the key two options if you want to stay disciplined with food. Once you've done this fundamental thing of kind of dropping your excuses, then you'll be willing to do these things. So how, how, how would you go about that? How would you remove stress from your life? Let's say your life's really stressful. Let's say you're um, one of our, right, one of so our clients. My biggest example of this was when, uh, when I was working at um, Triumph Motorcycles in Hinkley. Yeah. Um, and also running this business with you. Me and you were both working crazy hours at this yeah. point. Um, I don't know when it was. We work, I'd wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. I probably didn't wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. that many times. Sometimes I did. Worked for a couple of hours, went to work, did a full shift at work, went from work straight to the gym, then came from gym straight to home, then worked more, then went straight to bed, slept for five hours and just repeated the same cycle over and over again. So that was stressful. I also had, I was in a really stressful relationship at that point as well. Um, and so I was, I went to therapy because I was like just stressed out. Felt like I'd hit my, hit my absolute limit. And the solution he gave me, I was like, he was like, the, the therapist said, what's the biggest cause of stress in your life? And I said, my job. It's really stressful. I hate it. It makes me miserable going there every day. Because the thing I really love to do is running this business. So running, well, it's called Trainee Gain back yeah. then. But running Trinity and helping people was what I really loved. But I was spending all my time doing this engineering and I hated it. So he said, okay, well, why don't you just quit your job? And I was like, oh, well, uh, that's, that's, that's a solution, isn't it? So I, as soon as I could, I just handed in my notice. I left that job. I've never looked back. And I've been that that huge source of stress and negative emotions and unhappiness for me um, and you, was just something I, I was able to make that change. And then you probably took a pay cut, a big pay cut. Well, you definitely did. Definitely. Yeah. I sacrificed money. I sacrificed stability of my income, um, whatever, whatever perks that I had there, you know, like pension and getting all my get a cheap motorbike paid and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> getting, getting paid regardless of, you know, whether I whether I did good work or bad work, um, I'm sure they're not going to hire me back now, especially if they listen to this podcast. <laughs> but for, it just was not a good fit for me as a working environment. There were people who loved that job. For me, it just wasn't. It just wasn't what I was passionate about. So, changing that made a big, big difference to my life. So, there, you may be listening to this, and there'll be just be something in your life which is ex- extremely stressful. It could be that you're in a relationship which is just not working for you. It could be that you're surrounding yourself with friends that stress you out. It could be that just the way you've set your life up, you've got you've taken on so much responsibility and so much extra stuff or your career is extremely stressful or you've taken on extra work. Whatever it is, there will be physical things that you can change which remove your which reduce your stress. So as much as possible, the first thing you can do is change kind of the biggest sources of stress in your life whatever those are it might be scary it might be difficult okay let's say it's their children how would you do that challenge children are the biggest source of stress in your life i guess you've got to change that relationship with those people which you can either change you know okay let's say one of your kids they need um they need some sort of extra help that they're not currently getting they can get that extra help or it could be that you you identify that, that you're not spending enough time with them and that's why they're acting up and going crazy and causing trouble you can decide to spend more time with your kids and focus more on that relationship. Um, or it simply could just be that you're you're getting annoyed at them and wound up at them and they're actually not doing that much wrong, in which case you can change the way that you're reacting to their behavior. You can learn to deal with that better. And a lot of people I think that I coach anyway, they get stressed out with the kids, but it's nothing actually to do with the kids. It's they're getting they're projecting their stress onto them or the other half or whoever because they're not happy in themselves and they're not happy in their skin and they kind of some people admit this that like you know when people are feeling kind of a bit miserable kind of feeling like they're not achieving anything in their life that their life is just full of stress and no mm-hmm. happiness then they they project that onto other people and often it's nothing to do with them in reality so yeah you can change the source of stress there's lo- there's loads of ways aren't there you can get help with kids yeah i mean like what with what you just said like there'll be times where let's say i'm at home um, I've been working in the day and let's say I, I, I had a task to do that I thought was going to take me two hours it ended up taking me four hours which meant I didn't get any of my other work done so now I'm feeling stressed because I haven't got my work done then my girlfriend comes home she's really happy she's like hi how's it going did you have a good day she's all happy and cheerful and I'll then feel really grumpy with her 
Because she's the one saying, like, she stopped me from doing my work. The reality is I didn't get my work done mm. in the day. And I've put myself in the... I've made myself stressed. And then I think as human beings, we always outwardly try and point to point the blame at something else. I'm getting much better at just saying, like, well, yeah, I just didn't do it these yeah, days. Yeah. But, like, the initial reaction sometimes you have is to just point the blame outward, outwards. Yeah, to definitely. You don't want to take responsibility, do you? Like, I had a, I had a big argument just be with like, Egan, so my girlfriend at the weekend... That's her surname for anyone listening. <laughs> That's what I call her and Ben calls her. But I had a, we had a big argument and then I, I did one of the mindset exercises that we teach. I've actually got, I might have to, oh no, I had to shred it. <laughs> I did one of the mindset exercises that we teach, but it was, sometimes you do them and you're like, I cannot let this be seen because some of the stuff I came out with was so stupid and immature and it's not really what I feel, but in the heat of the moment, you've got to get the emotion out so you don't react this terrible way and this is often why we're reacting badly we like to pretend we're all perfect people but really i was projecting everything onto her and i was like it's all your fault this is not going to work like i'm really stressed out um it's the it's london's london's load of shit i hate living in london um i can't deal with it the reality was i went through the mindset process and it was like i just don't want to take responsibility for the fact i'm not making enough money to actually feel relaxed in London because I'm basically running out of, or coming to the very much close to running out of money every month because it's very expensive to live here but it's it's going actually it's me and it's not the fault of London or my girlfriend who's got a job here really it's because I don't want to have to then go oh, I better improve my career or be more efficient in the business or spend less money on on physio or gym and things like this that are costing me money and so yeah it's a lot about just going and this is again where mindset exercises help. Like for me, like you were saying, Ben, taking responsibility rather than pointing the finger at everyone else and then removing it off you. I think this whole thing's about that, in a way. Yeah, I think this exactly this whole this this, this whole staying disciplined with food thing, or even just being overweight and being un, out of shape. You might get to a point where you're like, I'm really overweight, I'm really out of shape. It's because of my job, family, uh, kids. Because I deal with more stress than everybody else. My life is different. It's different for me. Mm. It's harder for me. And you can make all of these excuses. But if you refuse to take responsibility, then you're powerless to change anything. One of the... Um, I can't remember where this was. I think it was a... We went to an event, Rob. Um, Warrior, Warrior Con, mm-hmm. it was called. Which was in um, LA. This big conference we went to. With 500 guys. One of the analogies that they had there was... If you are in a prison... So let's say your prison is your overweight. That's kind of the prison that you're trapped in, that you're stuck in, that you want to escape yep. from. If you're in a prison and then you give the keys to somebody else, so you blame everybody else for the fact that you're locked in this prison, like it's, it's his fault, her fault, this fault, it's that thing's fault, then you have, you don't have the keys, you can't get out. Whereas, whereas if you're willing to take responsibility and say, okay, I'm overweight because in the past, you know, I didn't have the right skill sets with nutrition, I didn't have the right mindsets, I didn't have the right knowledge. And because I didn't have any of those things, I made some bad choices and I gained weight. Um, I'm in this position now. However, I'm willing to take responsibility for what happened. It's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. And now I can take steps to change it. So if you're taking responsibility, I think it's a big... That's a great point. A big thing. It's, I think it's the first thing they do in those, you know, those 12 step programs. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's what I was thinking of when you said about it. I was like, my name is Ben. I'm Ben and I'm an alcoholic. So you take take responsibility for the situation you got yourself in. But it's really important to take responsibility without kind of... Shaming yourself. If you then just blame yourself and feel bad about it and feel ashamed, you're never going to be able to succeed. You've just got to be able to take responsibility without... Like at the weekend when I I ate all that pizza. I had a Domino's pizza, a a roast dinner, apple pie with double cream on it. Sounds good to me. Ice cream. It's absolutely (laughs) delicious. All in one day. And then I took, I, the next day, I just took responsibility for it. I was like, yeah, I didn't make the best choices on Sunday. It's fine. I don't feel bad about it. It's just, that's how it is. I, I just wanted to enjoy myself. I knew what I was doing. I took full responsibility for it. Monday morning, perfect. I don't, I don't, I don't slip into that down spiral anymore. It's like, oh, I'm so useless. I failed. I'm rubbish. Mm. I'm awful. Yeah, it's a fine line. And I think that's definitely down to the mindset work. Like you were saying, that mind, the mindset exercise you were doing, Rob. Yeah. As you know, I do that every day. Every single day, I question my thoughts and I figure, I ask myself, you know, am I really, you know, are my excuses valid? Mm. Am I, am I just being a little bit? Am I overreacting here? Am I pointing the finger at somebody else, or is it just, is it just me? Yeah, we're all human. But mm. until you take responsibility, nothing's going to change. As you said, it's not about blaming, but 
it's very easy to blame yourself as well and then beat yourself up and that's not productive yeah. either but it's yeah it's, it's about realizing you can change because there's loads of evidence of people changing we've got loads of clients who've, who've decided to change like people say how do i stop eating i can't stop eating you can stop eating but don't beat yourself up for eating just say the, the reason I'm eating is down to me not having the skills, the knowledge or the mindset. But I'm going to go and get it rather than the reason it's yeah, happening is because be. of this condition yeah. I've got. The reason it's happening is because of my family life. The reason it's happening because because of my work or whatever it could be. Yeah, it's kind of like you've, you've got to be able to get humble enough. This is again why unstoppable. Why going to those kind of events is good. They kind of break you down. All your ego disappears and melts away, and then you get into a position where you're you're humble enough to to just get help from somebody to just admit, you know, I don't have the skills to deal with this. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to succeed with this because I haven't been able to succeed in the past. I look at the evidence, which is I've gained four stone, and I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know how to stop it eating all of this food. Don't know how to stop doing this. But if you can find someone who's already done it and knows how to get out of that situation and you're willing to accept help from somebody, then it's, it's, it's possible to succeed. Yeah, don't, it's way easier to do this with other people helping you, isn't it? Like all the biggest shifts we've made in business, looking back at it and life, pretty much had help with. I was thinking about it earlier. Mm. It's, not, it's very hard to see through your own bullshit, isn't it? This is what I find anyway, without the tools. Like until hard, yeah. people taught us these mindset tools and you start to you start to think differently once you start doing them, I think. But like, I know I said this weekend, I went into quite a bad downward spin, but Monday came round, or was it Sunday? I did one of these mindset things. Cause like we're, I'm still capable of pretending it's not my fault, whatever's going wrong. But now I can correct way quicker. I think that's a great point you made about the pizza stuff. It's more about the people who succeed. It's more about, it still goes wrong for them. Like Caroline, one of our greatest ever mm. testimonials, and she's still smashing it. Last week had a really bad week, and she posted in our F3 group about it. But she posted about it, said, I'd messed up. I'm taking responsibility. It wasn't a great week. I'm going to move forward. She posted about it on Instagram as well, I saw. So it's normal to mess up, but the, the difference is, for me anyway, is to just go, I've messed up. Apologize to the people, or if it's yourself, you can even apologize to yourself and be like, okay, I was being too mean to myself. Let's move forward. What doesn't help with this though, I think for a lot of people is like the people they're around. If people you're around generally have a kind of negative mindset, like have you ever been in circles with people which have kind of influenced you to do stuff that you um, wouldn't, that don't, oh, doesn't help you basically? I think when I was about, when I was 16, I used to hang around with a group of people in Stafford, which I live in now. Mm. It was just a bad influence, you know, they'd be like out drinking in the streets and like staying out late and they'd all be smoking and all whatever, you know, taking drugs, whatever. I never got, I didn't really get dragged too far into it. I was kind of like a Jekyll and, had a Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> personality going on where I'd hang out with these kids in the, in the evening. Yeah. Oh, cause it was fun. They'd ride around, we'd ride around on BMXs and like, you know, causing trouble. It's the ironic thing is that you're a grammar, like, just like me, grammar school kid who's actually really then, smart. Yeah. <laughs> That was the daytime, grammar school kids, straight A's. Yeah. But anyway, um, eventually I, I, I stopped hanging out with these people and it's probably a good idea or I probably would have got dragged down into, I don't know, whatever happened to them. I would have been, got dra I probably wouldn't be running a fitness business and helping thousands of people to change their lives and I wouldn't have kind of figured out all of my own mindset issues and yeah, I think all this I stuff. Just, I just had a happened. revelation about this. I think my life changed a lot going to university. I met Ben, so I met you, <laughs> which was great. But also, like, just the group we were in in yeah. university was a very hard-working group, whereas my group from school, I think your, your school group was actually pretty hard-working, but then you had these people on the side. Yeah, I had hard-working school group. But yeah. mine were, they weren't not hard-working, but they were kind of in the middle, and they still the same. They still love to go out drinking, maybe taking drugs, staying up to, like, 5 a.m. every night. Um, they have all right jobs, but they, they just love to, they don't, they're not interested in fitness. They're not interested in most of them anyway, self-improvement at all. And so for a while I was like, had this conflict of like, I was still seeing these guys and I still see them occasionally. We have a good time, but they were just, it sounds bad. And hi guys, if you're listening, but 
that wasn't working for me. Like you can tell if the people around you are not working for you. If they're, if they're like pressuring you into drinking when you don't want to, or you're feeling obliged to drink and or stay up late when you know you can't, like I could just feel like this shit is not serving me. And I felt really guilty not seeing them as much for ages. Like the last Christmas was the last first time I ever didn't see them at Christmas, but I kind of eventually have realized like, it's kind of necessary. You don't have to stay with the same group of people forever. And it's easy when you're young and people are like, oh, they're a bad influence. But when you're older, it tends to be like, they're not a bad influence kid anymore, but they could be a person I see anyway, that all like people around you, that you, you, you do just mirror them, don't you? Like I'd hang out with these friends and they'd be out at like 5 a.m. Like, oh, what am I doing with my life? It's not working for me. Then cute. It's kind of the same thing yeah, go again on. with the bad foods where you, you're, you're in that situation, you're kind of looking at what you're getting rid of. Like, I'm having to give up these friendships mm. rather than I'm gaining. Gaining freedom. More. You're worried about what you're giving up or what you're losing. Which I think there's that thing, that bias that people have. Um, towards People have a huge bias towards avoiding yeah, loss yeah. rather than make gaining something. So the psychological effect that you have from gaining £100, like let's say you get a £100 bonus from work. Yeah, you're like... That mm. might give you a small psychological bonus. Like, oh, cool, great. But... The psychological bonus you'll get, like the penalty you'll get if you park your car somewhere and you get a hundred pound fine and you lose a hundred pounds parking your car, that would, for me, that would annoy me for a week. I'm, annoy me for a I'm still annoyed by that. Oh, I got a so hundred and ninety pound fine for stopping on a box junction and I'm still hurt yeah, thinking horrible. about it. In London, there's these fines for everything. And, but if I got given a hundred and ninety pounds, it would be, it'd be really nice, but it'd be like, I know it because my grandma gave me some money the other day, similar amount. I was like, that's really nice, but it's not. It doesn't really make me feel that much. Whereas the losing one, I could I still feel like slightly sick about it. So yeah, we we overvalue it, don't we? Yeah, and to what you're saying about staying in groups as well. Um, at uni, our friendship group, although they were very, they cared about academics, academia a lot, mm. and they cared a lot about um, our course. So engineering, they were all really passionate about engineering, and we're making this race car together, which was excellent, really good fun. But none of them were as into fitness as me and Rob. So if if it was just, let's say, me in that friendship group, would I have been this into fitness? Probably not. I probably would have been, you know, followed the trend of everybody else in the in the friendship group, which is that, you know, they're kind of some of them might have exercised or done a bit of sports here and there. But none of them were that into fitness. But because me and Rob kind of surrounded ourselves with each other constantly, we had that per that person to go five times a week to the gym with yeah it made it made it so much easier like it became a lot easy. harder when yeah. we stopped training together to to have that same motivation kind of thing definitely and until yeah. i until i went to crossfit bath and then again i found a group of people who were like they were going to go every day and you only really integrated into the friendship group if you also said i'm going to go every day and they'd say why where were you if you weren't and so again that made it way easier and in London, people are not as consistent and it's harder. I'm, I'm still training with one guy from CrossFit here who is like that. So it, again, yeah, avoid the people. And it, the first, it's, it's like everything. The first time I did this with those school friends, I still feel a little bit of guilt about it now. Or like, should I, shouldn't I, should I see them more? But I, it was really hard, basically. It is really hard. I think the best thing you can do is start putting yourself in environments where you can meet new people, whether it's at gym classes, whether it's at something like you go to jujitsu and then start to try and find them so instead of saying i'm going to lose this it's like i can get these friendships that are actually healthy because most of the time these people who are getting drunk all the time and stuff they're kind of fun but they're also kind of like full of regret the next day and full of this is my experience anyway you know you're harming your body you know you're missing out on like loads of stuff because you're always hung over or whatever it is or if they're always just eating shit you know you're all just like this big group of people who are hiding from your problems and you know it's not good like this is kind of what my school friendship group felt like it felt kind of like I feel like we're all just hiding from from some deeper problems, like stucking with girls, which we all did, and um, not being that happy about that, and not really having any purpose or focus, and hiding from all of that, and by drinking or by eating whatever people did, they actually didn't eat anything. <laughs> They're those weird people who just don't eat, which I also can't can't deal with now. But you've got to see it as this there's the opportunity to meet these new people who are actually going to get you what you want and you're going to feel happier and better with and they're going to motivate you to get you what you want. Like that lady who, um, there's a lady who was emailing us, you were also emailing her, Ben, in our inbox about doing 600 marathons. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. And she say we got like I got in with the wrong crowd as a kind of joke. It's like she's she wasn't young. Yeah, yeah. She's like I've done six hundred. I'm coming up to my six hundredth marathon, wasn't she? But it was very strict because I asked her what she wanted to achieve, and she said, "I want to be healthy, injury-free, and in old age, and feel great about myself." I was like, "Okay, so what are you doing now?" She's like, "I'm doing like a marathon every week or whatever." Yeah, it's it was. insane. And I'm like, "Okay, is that getting you what you want? Is that making you healthy and injury-free and all of this?" No, it's really doing the opposite. <laughs> it's it's hard work. I've run six hundred marathons. I don't really care about running these marathons anymore, and I'm getting injured doing it. I was like, "Okay, so why don't you stop?" And she was like, "Well, I need to get." A, she wanted to get to 600. I guess there's kind of something in that, like if it's a lifetime goal or whatever, mm. you might want to go but for Why it. 600 better than 500? <laughs> I don't know. I, I would just stop and say then 595 or whatever it was. But then the other the other thing was that she was, all her friends did the marathon running. So I guess what she's looking at is not, if I stop doing these marathons, maybe I can avoid having like arthritis in all my joints in 10 years mm. from now. Um, she's not looking at the gain of like, I can have my health later in life. I can have more time to relax. I can, whatever it is. She's not looking at the gain. She's just looking at, I will lose my friends. I will lose my 600 marathon record. I will lose my hobby, whatever it is. So focused on that loss. That same losing and gaining thing again. This applies to everything, doesn't it? So you've got to start saying no to people, saying no to things by focusing on what you gain by saying no this is this is a really important thing actually because I, I think everyone thinks that saying no is like a a bad thing like someone says oh can i can you look after my kids no that's very socially embarrassing but you've got to think what do i gain by not doing that oh i can actually get fit i can actually do this thing i can actually be there for my family rather than just doing shit for everyone else which i think that's a trap a lot of people fall into this is just like saying yes to everyone and everything and then you just end up sacrificing yourself, don't you? Yeah, so if, if we kind of summarize the first thing you can do to um, stay disciplined with food, the first thing is basically remove stress. So a combination of everything we just said. So it's going to be avoiding certain people, changing your life to reduce stress as much as you can, getting help where you need it. So it could be childcare, it could be cleaning around the house, it could be... Uh, today I just bought a dishwasher because I'm sick of washing up. If I spend 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day doing washing up every time I cook, it stresses me out, makes me annoyed and wastes my time. So I went and I bought a dishwasher. I'm in the halfway through plumbing it in at the minute, um, which is interesting. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's now going to save me time. So I'm, I've decided, you know, I've, I've got humble enough to say, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with all this washing up. It's annoying. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to buy a dishwasher. So whatever it is for you, you know, get the help you need. If you're struggling to prepare meals and you've got, but let's say you've got plenty of money to spare, you can invest in one of those food meal prep companies to send all your meals to your house in a box and just eat those meals that you get given. Um, next two things is just improve and remove all the things in your life that are not important and not urgent. So if you go to our, our last podcast, we did, um, we went through, you know, how to categorize all the different tasks in your life, how to prioritize. If you, can remove all of the bullshit from your life, you'll remove a lot of stress from your life as well. So I've, I'll tell you, you know, I'll give you an update now, Rob, about my screen time. Oh yeah, so let I've, me have a look at mine. I've been I've using been screen time too. on my iPhone to try and, to reduce the amount of time I'm spending on my phone. Today I've spent 57 oh, minutes on my phone. going to clearly be winning. Last seven days, my average is now down to one hour, 44 minutes a day. Oh, so you saved When I started minutes. this, it was four hours a day. I've gained almost three hours, I've gained like three hours, 15 oh. minutes so far in two weeks just by reducing time on my phone and that's made me so much less stressed i've figured out i I spend a lot more time just thinking walking around just thinking about stuff processing things in my head my stress levels are way way lower so remove all the all the bullshit from your life yep i'm uh my screen time update by the way one hour 54 today is quite good but i know the code i need to change it because my social networking has gone out my girlfriend's the only person that knows my code I'm up 44% this week. I've been looking after this cat and using that as an excuse that when I'm cuddling the cat, I can go on social <laughs> networks, but kind of bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I have also been meditating with the cat, which is slightly better, but it's definitely gone up. I need to stop sabotaging. The last thing I'd say, simplify your fitness routine as well is the easiest thing. Oh, there's a point I thought of the other day, actually. I thought we should, I, I was thinking how we could change our entire program. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you do that? Basically, I think all of this stuff, staying disciplined with food, is all irrelevant if you can't stay disciplined with exercise, pretty much. 
Because if we're talking about the, the result I'm interested in getting people is basically making them fit and healthy. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the result I'm interested in getting people. Not just getting them like slimmer and whatever. You can go to Slimming World or whatever and not exercise and get thin if you want. Um, and regain it all again. But I think the, the, the first habit to build for anybody is, which makes everything easy. It makes the nutrition easier. It makes the... Um, losing weight toning up all of that easier is just get into a consistent habit of exercise mm. which is exactly the same thing of how to stay disciplined with food it's how to stay disciplined with exercise it's first of all get over all of that bullshit remove all the stress in your life free up some time to to make the exercise happen and then just get to that point where you just decide like caroline and all of those clients they've just decided at some point exercise is now a non-negotiable thing for me every week i do exercise and that's it yeah and this is why then why i do it with it. emma so one of my one-to-one clients I said to her, because we were trying to ease into exercise. So sometimes we try different approaches. I was like, we're trying to ease in. I was like, this just wasn't working. Easing in, the food was going out the window every now and again. And I was like, the problem with easing in or just doing a little bit or not exercising and just trying to do whatever slimming world is, I, I think anyway, this is what my theory is, is you're not constantly reminding yourself that you're trying to be fit and healthy. Like you said, Bo, you're like, by just trying to control the food, it's not really the whole package. But whereas if you keep doing the exercise and you're like, I'm exercising, you're reminding yourself, you're reminding your body, I'm a fit and healthy person. I do fit and healthy stuff. I'm looking after my body. And that's what the exercise tells you. And then the food is more likely to come. That's what I think anyway. It's like, it's a reminder constantly. It's like, this is a priority for me. This is what I do. This is how I live. More than the food. Because food doesn't tend to like, it's not that, it's not, it's not that hard. It is hard, but it's not like, you don't get tired, you don't get out of breath, and that's kind of, you can't really overthink then in that situation. It's just like, yes, I am working out, I am working on my fitness. And then it's just constantly reminding you. So yeah, I think, and you've got to do it. I think if you're not doing it three times a week, you know, then that's less than half the week, half the day, like more than half the days of a week, you're, you're resting already. And I think that's like, you're a human being, you're supposed to move, you're not supposed to be a slug. On a slug moves more than a lot of people <laughs> maybe not even a slug you're not supposed to be like a chair or a sofa like a piece of the furniture you're supposed to yeah. move so you've got to remind yourself of that I did a um, I did a you know I did a when I did that survival course I did like a survival skills course that was a few days yeah, yeah. living out in the woods um, it was like probably 10 degrees outside like 8 to 10 degrees the whole time so the whole day, you basically had to keep a fire going, otherwise you would freeze. So I found out, being like a wild human being for a few days, where I just, you know, lived off the land, that when you have to go and collect firewood and constantly, like, you know, foraging for berries and whatever and always cooking over an open fire and building a shelter and all that stuff, you're constantly moving. So as Rob said, as you said, Rob, you're not supposed to just sit around like a chair or whatever, just plop park you yourself there. You if couldn't you get fat like that. be in your normal environment... No, if you're having to do, if you think about what animals do in the wild, they're always doing stuff. They're running around. That's because they got to get their food. Investigating stuff. If you let your dog out, for example, if, if you've got a dog on this podcast, if you let your dog just go out and do whatever it wanted, let's say there's no cars to run the dog over, first of mm. all, it will probably, it'll just roam all over the place. It'll be smelling things and chasing animals. It's not just going to sleep. Doing stuff. Or all sit day down, long. Is it? It's not just going to sit down. And sit on its iPhone or whatever. <laughs> sit in its car, sit in its little dog <laughs> it car, in its little dog house. <laughs> it doesn't do that. It'd be running around all over the place. And that burns a lot of calories, weirdly. So you've got to move. It does. But similarly, I think if you're one of these people, a lot of people use the excuse that they, they go around with one of those fitness watches on. I have a Casio G-Shock watch that tells me the time, and that's all it tells Put me. my G-Shock on. And Rob also has the same <laughs> one. But if I have, those people who have, they have a watch that tells them how many, you know, steps they've done and so on. It's, it's good when people do like 10,000 steps a day. I know people that do like 20,000 steps a day and stuff like that. And I'm thinking like, how long did you spend walking to get those 20,000? Did you, they must have gone out on like a two, three hour walk every day. And then they're like, oh, I don't have time to go to the gym. That's too hard. You know, I can't do any hard exercise and get sweaty mm. and actually push myself. But I've done my 20,000 steps walking down to the shops and back. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. That's another thing I would avoid. If that's you... The steps is like, you should You're just be doing that anyway. Steps. Like you should, you don't, I never do 20,000, but you should just be moving anyway. But it doesn't discount exercise, does but, it? But as well, if you're, if you're pushed for time as well, doing loads of steps is the worst <laughs> yeah. thing you can possibly do. Yeah. You, if you've only got an hour a day to exercise, you want to be going hard as you can for that hour. You want to be doing 
if we if we're training one of our clients they'll be doing weight training they'll be doing hard stuff they'll be lifting up heavy weights they'll be building breaking down their muscles they'll be getting sweaty and tired and out of breath and it probably will suck if you're not that good at if you're not that like experience if you've had a lot of time being unfit that's the thing walking is easy <laughs> but it, well, it, it won't really get easy, you probably yeah. won't get anyway. what you want compared to lifting weights so you can do what's easy or you can get what you want you can't really have both it's that triangle again mm. looking at your step watch is fine but it's uh it's not going to change anything <laughs> you could have saved 100 quid and spent that 100 quid on something useful but there you go you probably already got it now <laughs> ben and i have it's never like, had uh, it and we've got in, got in shape greg plitt used to say um he was a fitness model me and rob used to be obsessed with we used to look at before he got run over by a train rippling rippling eight pack abs all every day aspire to be be like yeah. <laughs> before we got run over by a train tragically but one thing he used to say was like the the human like getting results what or getting yourself fit and healthy is like your body's like a stick of dynamite if you just sit there like tapping on it with a tiny little hammer all day just tapping the stick of dynamite nothing ever happens if you actually want something to change and to actually see different results you need to get a sledgehammer and smash it you need to do something completely different which is when you get to that point where you're like fuck it i'm just gonna eat healthy i'm gonna eat really well i'm gonna throw all the bullshit out of my cupboards I'm going to commit to doing exercise every week. I'm going to make some significant changes to my life, to my schedule, to my mindset. I'm going to commit to learning about nutrition. I'm going to commit to getting disciplined and we're learning how to have willpower and keep that willpower going. Now, all, that all just starts. Yeah, it all just starts with taking responsibility, doesn't it? Just saying like, mm. I've got myself here. It may or may not be, it's not, I'm not going to blame myself for it. Like, it's the past, but I'm going to get myself out. And nothing is going to stop me. Do whatever it takes. So if you came to this podcast thinking, if you wanted some quick tips and tricks of how to uh, stay disciplined with food in five minutes, sadly, that's not what we've not what we've given. There aren't you. any. I don't think that's ever that's really possible. No, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to make some significant changes to the way you're currently living. You're going to have to give some things up in order to gain some other things. But ultimately, it will get you to a better place after you go through. Um, it's like going to be like going through some sort of, I don't know, like you've, it's like going through a big trench full of shit. You've got to wade through all this stuff, but eventually you'll come out the other side and you'll be somewhere better. You'll be in a better place. You'll be feeling happier. You'll be looking back like, wow, I did that. Can't believe I used to live the way I used to live. Look at look at me now. It could even be like I, this is probably a ridiculous analogy as a guy who hasn't got kids. <laughs> but if you're going to have a baby, I imagine it's not that comfortable having a human growing inside of you. There's all sorts of hormonal stuff going on as you're pregnant. Um, you're tired. You're uncomfortable. It's getting bigger. It's getting. You've got all these cravings going on. You're feeling sick. You go through this really hard period, but at the end, there's this beautiful thing that comes out. Like people prepared to do that. I mean, you don't often have a choice, but at the end, this amazing baby comes out and it's all worth it for most people. It's going to be the same with getting in shape. It's going to be a hard slog for a while, but it's not going to be that long, is it? And then you get everything you want on the other side. So where, obviously this is kind of an unstructured conversation about how can I say discipline with food. We do offer this in a structured way through our F3 program, our F3 Fast Track. Where are we at with that, Ben? Mm -hmm. When does that close down? F3 Fast Track, it closes at the end of every month, currently. This is a thing I never make, people ask me, oh, can I join next time? We never have, we don't plan that far ahead, me and Rob, we're not like that. We don't have, you know, every month for the next 12 months, we're gonna run an F3 Fast Track. We have this month, we have an F3 Fast Track open, we have a certain number of, limited number of spaces, and it closes down at the end of the month. If you don't get on board this month, will there be a chance next month? Who knows, possibly, possibly not, depends what we decide to, decide to do at that point um all i can say rob the thing the way things have been training is the the, the programs we're releasing are probably increasing in price rather than decreasing in price yep so if you want in if you want in at, at any time on anything we do it's always sooner always sooner is always better if you want to find out about the f3 fast track though go to trinitytransformation.co.uk forward slash replay will be the best place to go yeah, and you get free training, right? You get free hour-long training with Ben. 
That'll give you all the information you need. You get, yeah, you get me talking about the system, talking about how it works, talking about how you can figure all of this stuff out, so how you can stay disciplined with food, how you can get over your own excuses, get over your own bullshit, uh, take responsibility for your situation and, and start making those changes that you want to make. Yeah, go ahead. Go check that out if you're at all interested, if this resonates with you at all. Don't hesitate, as Ben said. And the longer you leave changing, the longer you're going to have to wait to actually get the life you want. So maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day you take responsibility and say it's going to change. Yeah, you have two choices. You either continue doing what you're doing now and just continue getting the results you're getting now. If those results are shit, then you continue getting those shit results. Or you do something different and you get a different different outcomes. So if you want your life to be different, you're going to have to do something different. Maybe that's the F3 formula. Um, if so, it'd be great to have you on board if this resonates with you. So again, trinitytransformation.co.uk forward slash replay. So that almost brings us to the end of today's Trinity podcast. But before you go, we have some important information for you. Number one, if you're currently not subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher to the Trinity podcast, click that subscribe button and get yourself subscribed so you're first to hear when new episodes go live. Number two, if you're not currently getting access to the daily motivation emails and action guides found at trinitytransformation.co.uk, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk and get that done today and we'll start sending them your way. And number three, last but not least, if you're listening to this show and you're getting value from it, first of all, do the things we talk about here. And secondly, you don't pay us to do this. So instead, we ask you simply to share this show with one person you think it could help today. It's only fair. This is Rob Burkhead, and this has been the Trinity Podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Hey.